You're listening to a message from Highway Church as we hear from three amazing moms about the difference that Jesus has made in their lives. Enjoy. These are excellent families. All of you guys are excellent, excellent. So let's just jump right in. You guys, we got question one. So how does your relationship with Jesus directly affect your role as a mom, like your everyday, how you interact with your children, how does that directly affect what you do every day? And I want to hear from all three of you. So, okay. yeah. You want, want to start with Judy? Judy. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Um, the first thing that we got these questions a few days ago, and I had to, uh, time to ponder. And uh, the first thing that the Lord brought to mind is to define motherhood biblically. What is that? And he brought me to Mark 3, which is uh, an interesting passage. It's about healing on the Sabbath. And, of course, you know what happened. Uh, Jesus healed this guy with a withered hand, and, of course, the Pharisees were mad. They're so sad, those Pharisees. They were sad and mad. And what uh, they told him was that you're filled with Beelzebub. And he says, no, I'm not. You are, because <laughs> a house divided against itself is not work, doesn't work in the kingdom of God. And then just before, I, I want to make sure that this context is really interesting, the definition of motherhood. It, in verse 28 through 30, it Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Now that's, that's really bad. What he was talking about is, if you don't believe in me, you're condemned. And we all know that's the truth. So he was talking about the Holy Spirit in the next few passage, uh, verses from 31 to 35. I'm going to read it to you because the good news, the Gospels, were meant to be read out loud. Amen. Because they were bulletins to the churches. And so I'm going to read it out loud. It's always better to hear the Word of God than man, right? <laughs> yes, so here we go. This is Jesus' mother and brothers sending for him. Now, I believe that Jesus' mother, Mary, was a little concerned about Jesus because of these Pharisees who were really going to try to kill him, and the, and the word was out. So, so they came, with uh, the brothers and sisters came to take him out of this house that he was preaching to his believers. And this is what it says. Then his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. And a multitude was sitting around him, and they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brothers? Mm -hmm. Now, what a question. Mm -hmm. He wasn't insulting his family. He was saying he was inviting his people into his family. Amen? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother, my sister, and my mother. 
That's the definition of motherhood, doing the will of God. Now, what is the will of God? In the Matthew uh, 12, 50 Amplified Bible, it says, my, by believing in me and following me. That's so simple for us as mothers, isn't it? That's the definition of motherhood, biblically. Now, I don't mean to go on, but <laughs> my husband says, don't go on, don't go on. But then pastor says, go on, go on. So I'm torn between no, going please, on please and go stopping. On. Please, please, should go I go on? on? Okay. Yeah. All right, so I, I want to I define motherhood uh, as Webster's 20, 1828 says. I love this dictionary because it's a... Uh, it's the first American dictionary by Noah Webster, and uh, of course, in those days, everybody knew the Bible. So, so a lot of these definitions uh, that he put in his Bible are biblical. So this is what he says for motherhood. Mold for casting. All right, that's quite a lot of influence a mother has, doesn't she? And then another one is mother has the proper sense of a matrix. Now a matrix is, and Isaiah talks about the matrix of the womb, how the mother is, uh, the baby is uh, developed in the womb. That's the matrix, the womb. Or another example would be uh, a shell and the pearl inside the shell is developing and the matrix is the shell, the covering. So that's the motherhood, that's what Bible, how the Bible is describing motherhood. And the Strong's Concordance talks about the mother as being the bond of a family. So if you start from Adam and Eve all the way out to the end of the Bible, it's the influence of mother, the influence of women throughout the Bible that is part of the nature that God has built in to motherhood. So you have Eve who influenced for good and for evil. You have Sarah who influenced for good and evil. You have Jochebed, well, Moses' mother, who protected Moses and then be, and so that we could have the nation of Israel. Right, right. How powerful is that? So we could go on and on and talk about all of the influences of women in the Bible and how in the New Testament, Mary was such an important influence to Jesus. If you look at John 2, the wedding of Cana, we all love this one because they, they didn't have enough wine to finish the celebration. It would have been very embarrassing for that, fam that family. And uh, a lot of commentaries say that the, um, Mary and the family were probably cousins of the wedding, people of the wedding. So here you have Jesus and his mother, and Mary says to <laughs> Jesus, they don't have any wine. And so he says, it's not my time. And then he goes ahead and he makes the first miracle. He shows the first miracle of the wine. Water to wine. So how much influence does a mother have? I mean, so, so the, the key here, though, is that we have influence through Jesus to produce miracles in our life. Amen? So I love that, uh, you know, and, and of course the wine, being, the water's changing into wine, that's so wonderful. There's so many metaphors there. And I won't go on because it's too long. <laughs> Maybe later. But anyways, amen. I love that perspective, how that relieves your everyday. Like you're expecting, you realize that influence that you have 
and through Jesus, the miracles, and you're expecting that in your everyday. That's so awesome. It is awesome. That's so awesome. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Who wants to go next? Amen. Mom, you want to go next? Sarah wants to be last. Sarah's back. Okay. She wants to be last. I'm learning. I know. Me too. I told my family, I just want to sit and listen to these two. (laughs) So this is good. I thought of um, uh, scripture uh, in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And I think for me, uh, a major uh, part of my relationship with the Lord that I think influences our home is the sense that I belong. I, God has uh, welcomed me. He's given me his name. Uh, he's given me his nature. He is a patient teacher. Um, he's willing to um, uh, encourage me and strengthen me and cover my faults <laughs> and to refine me, but all the while accepted. I think that's the one of the largest and most um, significant words when I think of my own relationship with the Lord is that he accepts me. Um, I belong to him. And I think even upon the learning that a mother is pregnant, even in that moment, there's the decision, do I accept? Do do I receive this news? (laughs) Or am I shocked and surprised and reject this news? Um, even upon conception, there is the decision to accept. And, uh, and Jesus made that decision for us before we were ever imagined in our parents' minds. He knew us before the foundations of the world and, uh, and accepted us in the beloved and calls us that. And so I think that that revelation for myself um, in my own relationship with the Lord, that I am accepted, I pray influences my own children to know um, that they are, they have a place of belonging and that they are accepted um, in our home and in the beloved. So. I'm just not sure how you do it without God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really not. I tend to be um, a person, uh, historically I had anxiety and some depression, and um, just knowing how much God loves my kids and loves me and that he's for me um, is huge. You know, guilt and fear are two of the biggest trips that yes. moms can take. Yep. And, um, you know, when you learn about God's grace, you realize that he's going to take care of everything. Yes. And you can take any fear that you have, any worry, and convert it to a promise that's in Scripture. And I've learned to do that, and I've seen, like, physical manifestations of just about everything I can think of when I've been concerned. I've seen a turnaround, and it just is a daily engagement of my faith in God's goodness. So that's it. That confidence that you you guys are talking about, the confidence in his love for you, 
and you know that you're accepted, you know that his grace is covering you guys, that, I see that it just overflows out of you, because um, onto your kids, onto me, <laughs> like, it, when you guys are confident in that, it definitely, it affects your kids every day in your role. That's so good. So has there been an experience where you felt like you understood God's love for you better? Um, like a parallel between God and you. You saw that parallel between you and your, and your children. Has there been an experience like that? I'm just going to jump in with this one before they say it. <laughs> because like when a baby is born, your baby is born. Like you, You're excited to have the baby. But when the baby is born, you are overwhelmed with how much you love this human being. And like, I remember the day we brought Olivia home because she was our first. And we, Kevin and I were talking in the car. We're like, we would literally jump in front of a truck, no problem for this baby right now. Like, that's how, how overwhelmed you are with love for your child. And there's absolutely no question um, of that love. And... It's just undeniable, and I guess that's the first and most overwhelming experience of like God's love. Like you just, it's just huge. So, yes, that's how I felt too. That I never knew a, a love like that. There was no other experience in my life, and it it connected. I think having children connects you uh, to the Lord stronger. You know that love that you have for your child is the love that God has for you. And can you imagine the love that God has for you? It's so like, more. it's so much more. So, uh, you know, he's given us this experience so that we can experience his love even mm -hmm. more greater. Uh, but how I understood it was just that God was answering my prayers. Uh, when, when I first knew God, I had such an experience of his love that overwhelmed me. I was praying in tongues. It was when I was a, a new believer. And I couldn't sleep at night, and I was praying in tongues, and this, which is a good idea if you can't sleep. You might as well just pray in tongues because there's some a lot of benefits to that. And so when I was praying, all of a sudden, I just felt this, this golden sense of well-being all the way through my, my body. It was a physical experience. And so I knew that God was supernatural. And that really stuck with me throughout my till, till, till this day. Now, I haven't felt that in a while. It went away after a while. It lingered, and then it went away. And I went, wait a minute, come back, <laughs> come back. You know, the, the world has a, a tendency to make you forget how wonderful God is. But then when we had, and a lot of you know my, our te Alan and I, our testimony about our baby Jay, when he was born, he, uh, they had said he was blind and he was brain damaged. And of course that was the most devastating news I could ever imagine after seeing this beautiful baby and all that love, like you said. And then all of a sudden Satan comes in to, to crush that. And so that experience of uh, going through that experience and coming out with a miracle uh, a few days later was an amazing experience. Uh, if you don't know the testimony, um, Alan, when we heard, I, he had gone home 
uh, to freshen up and he was coming right back. I called him and said, come right back here because the, the, they took the baby out of my room and put him in a, an incubator and all these wires and his, his skin was all blotchy. It was awful. And um, all I could do was cry. I didn't stop crying. I was so devastated. And Alan came and he started praying over that baby. You will live, you will not die. I mean, he just went through the gamut. Now, we were new Christians, so we didn't know every scripture that we could have, you know, every promise. We just said, God, heal this baby. That's right. yeah, that's right. And um, I think it was 24 hours, right, Alan? The 24 hours later, he was totally healed, and we took him out of that incubator. We took him home right away. <laughs> I was like, get this baby in the car. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get out. But that was the miracle that God gave us to let us know that no weapon formed against you or your family will prosper. Amen. And since then, I have experienced more miracles. I experience miracles, uh, not on a daily basis because you don't need them, but I've experienced healings and miracles and the power of God in our lives. And it's just so amazing that uh, God sticks with you. You know, even though I don't have that feeling, you know, that very first feeling yeah, of the con- love, con- he shows his love yeah. in right. everything yeah. that we do. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's right. That's right. That's right. I, that's right, Judy. <laughs> that's what I just think is that we're walking in this yeah. and we are living in this moment by moment. And sometimes we're aware and other right. times we're not. Right, sometimes right. we acknowledge it. And other, but it's never stop. He never stops. His love is unceasing. Mm-hmm. It's not um, turn on, turn off. It's always gushing. It's just always overflowing. And we experience it daily. And I just want to encourage us to acknowledge that, everything. And I think I'm always amazed at the provision in our family. Um, uh, and I think that's what, when I see the parallels, I, I see as parents, you, you want to provide things for your children. You know what you need. <laughs> as a, an adult, you're thinking, I need all this, and now they need something. But it's true, this trickling down, this, um, the love of God that comes to us as the parents, it just flows into the children. And so the biggest, you guys know the example, they go into the refrigerator and pantry all the time. <laughs> and they never ask, they never pay. <laughs> they are always in the refrigerator and pantry. Always. <laughs> and if not, they're like, can we go get ice cream? You know, it's just, it just never stops. But we never lack. We never lack for anything. And they're not thinking of it. They're not having one thought about it. And I just am encouraged in my own relationship with the Lord to trust him like the children trust us. And uh, so I just know he's not measuring out what we deserve or what we've earned or how good we've been this week. Because I don't do that to them. They just eat <laughs> and keep eating and I'm never thinking like you don't deserve to eat you know 
I, you must fish sometimes. I even I don't know. I'm not a fish. <laughs> that's our favorite verse. Uh, what's where it says? If your child yeah. should ask for a fish, you wouldn't give them a serpent. So every time I complain about eating fish, she's I'm like, like it's biblical, biblical children. Like you should be asking ask for a fish. fish. That's her. <laughs> Come on. No, that's good. I like that provision. Amen. That's a good parallel. Yeah. Um, so how do you affirm or encourage your kids in a godly way without making them feel entitled in a selfie culture? We said, because that's, you see that a lot. A lot of kids <laughs> think they're like the best thing ever, you know, like <laughs> that the world revolves around them. But obviously like your kids are special and like each one of them are created in the image of God. Like they have a specific purpose. So how do you guys cultivate that in your kids? I think the selfie culture comes from a lack of knowledge of how loved you are. Wow. Really? Yeah. I think um, yeah. it's a need to fill an affirmation so from good. the world. That's such a good point. And um, so too much love. There's no such thing. And um, also, we live in a performance-oriented world. They're taught from little that you get grades for how good you are. And I work in education, and parents feel like grades are a reflection of their value. How good is my kid? How do they match up to another kid? It's part of our society. It's, it's sad, and it's not the way God works. He's not performance-oriented. So we need to make sure, and I try to make sure that you know, my conversations are not around um, approval or disapproval for performance. Um, I think that's big. And also that they're just fully loved and there's nothing they could do. Mm -hmm. And their value has been settled yes. on the cross. There's yes. nothing they have to do to add to it. That's right. um, the selfie culture is really around needing affirmation, needing that. And um, so. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's how I feel too. But there's a, there's a scripture, Zephaniah 3.17, and this is God. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Don't we rejoice over our children? Yes. He will quiet you with his love. We quiet our children with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And I, I think of this scripture, and, and I think of how obsessed I was in making sure that my I affirmed my children, um, and I said, you are the best, you are the greatest, you do the best, you know how. I never graded them, I homeschool, I never graded them. I said, you do the best, and that's, the, that's good. So they were never graded, except for uh, math. You know, you get this wrong, that's wrong. Right, right, right. Math's so they, very quantitative. They learned, they learned how to, it's interesting what happened as a result of that method because they learned how to uh, achieve according to their satisfaction yeah. rather than achieving for anybody else. And that's so important because you, they go out in the world, they're not, they shouldn't have to, they're going to be bombarded with you know, achievement, achievement. They both went to academies, military academies, and that's, <laughs> that's, that's the whole thing. And the, the, what happened was, I thought maybe, well, I'm making them, maybe I'm making them too important. 
And, uh, but I couldn't help myself. I was obsessed. I wanted them. You know, I just felt emotionally, I said, you're great, you know, I love what you're doing here. I mean, they could have made their bed and I would have made a big deal out of it, you know? <laughs> so what happened as a result, I saw that they became humble. They were more humble than me. Out of the love that I and Ellen and my family put over them. So it's that love and it's that affirmation of who they are in Christ, knowing uh, you know, that the Lord loves them, and how they, they chose professions that uh, were missions bigger than themselves. And aren't we all, as Christians, doing that? That's good. This is good. Man, I'm enjoying this so much. Wow, so fun. I think this, uh, this was a question that I wanted to hear from, because this is a question um, for, that I wanted to hear an answer. Um, because I see uh, the shallowness of praise and the frequency, and, and I think you're right, Sarah, in the sense that people today do not know their value. You can tell somebody they're pretty. You can tell somebody they're sweet. But that does not speak to their value. Um, and so for me, I have maybe erred on the, the side of not praising enough. And the Lord is dealing with me concerning that. Um, that, that it's, I have avoided giving praise historically because I didn't want to be shallow or overdone or meaningless because all of selfies today is gorgeous, perfect, you know, whatever, all the, whatever the word is now, you slay or whatever. <laughs> Come on, you know, and I'm like, what is any of that? I want to speak to the heart of my children and there's no better way that I can think than to use the word of God and to say to them you are more than a conqueror um, that you are uh, able because God is able you are able God lives in you there um, you know um, you are able to follow the Lord you know God has made you strong you hear his voice you know his voice um, you and so my praise when I give it I try to fashion it around something like like I recognize how you responded to the Spirit of God in that situation or I you inspire me or um, you know I'm I'm pleased what does Jesus get from the father this is my son in who I'm well pleased mm -hmm. to tell your children I was so pleased when you is a much more meaningful than to say you're you're just the best you're wonderful you're cute you're handsome because i think we've all you talk about getting a lot of handsome when you were a kid you know? <laughs> yeah didn't you get a lot of handsome you're still a lot of handsome <laughs> but that doesn't speak to your to to the inside that doesn't that it's shallow it doesn't speak to the inner man so I just want to encourage us when we praise our children to speak to the inner man and to use the word of God to build them up in the inner man. That's good. I have a phrase, you're perfect the way you are 
and the way or not. Oh, that's good. So you you know, if they do something wrong, they, you've got to acknowledge it's that true. as well. That's true. But the more you acknowledge the good, the more they don't do the bad. That's so true. And that's so it's true. that's how God's grace works with us, isn't it? That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so good. Sounds like you guys all have, I heard promises in like everything you guys are saying. And we always talk about that here. We speak the promises of God over ourselves and you guys clearly do it over your kids too. That's, it works for everything. Um, So this kind of goes into the next question. Is there one specific scripture? I had you guys pick one specific one that has really influenced your parenting. I'll go right away. Um, from day one, we did James 1.19. Did you know I was going to say this? You know it? Without speaking it, let me hear it. Can you do it without with this? It? Yeah, without speaking it, show me it. Do you remember? Oh, We're going to uh, praise you if you do it right. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Good job. You did a good yes. job with that. Very James 1.19. It says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Before the children could speak, before they could say, you know, what's in the pantry, (laughs) what's for dinner, before they could say that, we trained them in this scripture. Everyone should be quick to listen. They had a little hand motion. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. And before they could speak, they were doing this, James 1.19. And ironically, the Bible is so perfect that it still applies. That verse still applies to today, you know? I mean, at at any age, everyone should be quick to listen, (laughs) slow to speak, slow to become angry. And so uh, that teaching the children the scripture early but particularly that one, and I didn't know it when we chose it then, how lasting and applicable it would be to our entire lives, you know, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And um, so, yeah, fun. Go ahead. All right, mine verse is really one that helps me. Um, so we all struggle with not being perfect failing daily, right? Um, always, especially as moms, we, you know, we're always thinking of how we could do something better or how we could be better, how we could have handled that differently or what we should have taught our kids when they were younger, what they don't know, you know, and all of that. Like, ugh, you just, like, you send them off to college, you send them off to this or that. Like, do they know everything they're supposed to know? Ugh. Um, and there's a point in time where they don't necessarily, at least in my house, they don't want me to be didactic, right? They don't want me to like, talk at them. And so you feel a little bit like you have all the stuff you want to give them, but you don't know how or when you're going to do it or if there's the opportunity or, or whatnot, and you don't want them to tune you out. So when I have that sense, I'm always reminded of the verse that says, um, my children will be taught by the Lord, yes. and great shall be their peace. So I always say, by the Lord. Not, not just about the Lord, but by the Lord. Amen because that covers all of my inadequacies, and I'm always praying that. So like when my daughter goes off to college, or she's, you know, or my son's going off, whatever, Naomi's out with the horses, like, they will be taught 
by the Lord and great shall be their peace. And that covers every concern that I have. And they have the mind of Christ. They have that. And God can give them wisdom. And he does. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That makes me feel so good. Yes, that's true. Well, our scripture, especially for homeschooling, was Proverbs 22, 6. And we all know this one, train up a child in the way he should go teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. So what I used this scripture for, I applied it to teaching them, that following the bent that both of them had, um, I created a curriculum for them with that bent and with that ability that God had given them so that they could have fun learning. And so, for instance, uh, and I always put a principle uh, of uh, the Bible in there everywhere, and (laughs) I try to just soak them with the word. And for instance, just to uh, show you a practical application of this is uh, for algebra, uh, I said, okay, algebra is being equally yoked. This side equals that side. Isn't that great? (laughs) So, uh, you know, it took off those kinds of uh, principles that I applied. And I I believe that was God's wisdom within the curriculum, within the things that they were learning. And so it's called the principal approach. It's very good because you start with basics of, of uh, things that God has given up for us to apply to our life. So that was, that was basically my mission, is to get the word of God and have them apply it to their lives. And every uh, twice a year, sometimes three, three times a year, they would have to do a presentation of history, whatever they were studying, whatever they were interested in, by the way. I, and, and some of it was you would think was not that good. But, but for instance, David uh, had this thing. He wanted the Loch Ness. He wanted to study the Loch Ness Monster. Okay. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, Lord, what, you know, what's this all about? And today, to the, and he did a whole presentation on the Loch Ness Monster, which was really good, and he applied scripture to it and everything, you know, the, the lie of it then in the sea and all that. So, because that's what they had to do. Whatever, you know, they were studying, they had to find scripture to understand that subject better. So, uh, isn't it interesting? He's, uh, he's an officer on the coast, in the Coast Guard. And one of his missions is to find uh, all the bad guys out there, you know, doing drug runners and all of that. And, uh, and he finds them. And so, he's finding his Loch Ness monster. <laughs> And so, so those are the kinds of things that I did uh, as a, uh, a teacher, mother teacher, and we're all teachers. Even yeah. if you don't homeschool, yes. it's okay yeah. because you, you, if you're called to homeschool, then you know, you know this applies to you. But if you're not called to homeschool and your, your kids are in public school or Christian school, whatever, you still have that influence to right. teach them. You know, God is good because he's going to, he's, your influence is going to be overpower the influence of the world so that you know that, just remember that. And then when they uh, went to military schools, 
my scripture changed, and it was Ephesians 6-9, which is be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And they needed that for the work that they were called to do. Good. Good. So what are uh, some ways that you exhibit God's grace to your kids? So this could be an exact situation or just something like a habit you've developed. My kids are afraid I'm going to talk about one of their mistakes. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Don't worry. They're like, please, no examples. Um, well, 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, um, love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And uh, we're not to hold over mistakes over people to try to teach them something later. I don't think that that's love. Um, someone wise, my mom, one of my mom's best friends always says, the goal is not perfect child. It's well-adjusted adult. Um, I would add to that. It's not just a well-adjusted adult. It's someone who knows who they are in Christ and what Christ has done for them and who God is, right? That's our goal. So um, I think as parents, sometimes when kids make mistakes, we are tempted to, I think Satan is part of this, but feel condemned ourselves, and then we act out of that. And um, so the first thing is to have grace for ourselves. Yes, right. um, yes. I think that's huge. That Okay. All right, I like to define things. And uh, all right, Vine's concordance says this about grace. Now, this is really interesting because we are a grace church, aren't we? Uh, Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. All right, grace describes that which is favorable or gracious, especially the favorable position of one person towards another, okay? And the Greek, that was the Hebrew, the Greek uh, uh, definition is states, it states grace or favor as the acceptance of and goodness toward those who cannot earn or do not deserve such gain. Now, these definitions require a two- party relationship. You cannot have grace unless you have Jesus in your life. And you cannot be graceful towards others unless, uh, in, and, and that purpose is, that application is for others. So you have grace from Jesus, you receive that grace, and that grace goes out to your children and to other people. So, uh, you know, grace is a wonderful thing in disciplining children because it, it shows them how much they're loved. And I want to give an example of Norval Hayes. I don't know if you know Norval Hayes. Do you know him? He's an old-fashioned guy who was friendly with uh, uh, Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, and all of that. Well, I think he went to Faith Christian Center. I think that's where I first uh, knew him. But uh, really, I think he was somewhat legalistic in his, his up, uh, bringing his daughter up. She, the, their mother died. The, his wife died when she was little. And uh, so he had to bring her up on his own. And that wasn't easy. He had women from the church help her with her hair and fashion and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, a missing mother is difficult. Missing father is even more difficult, I think, in a family. 
but God supplies. And this is what happened. She, when she became a teenager, she rebelled. She would go out and party, not come home till late and early in the morning, and he was beside himself. He would punish her. He didn't know what to do. He didn't want to hit her. She was a, a teenager at that point. And so, uh, you know, he realized that he just went into prayer, and the Lord said, just love on her. That's all he said. That was what he got from the Lord. So the next time she went out and got home late again, and of course, she didn't even want to talk to him. He, she would go right, he said, I love you. <laughs> and every time, for about, you know, a month or so, he just would love on her. She would come in. He didn't say anything. He didn't, you know, discipline her. He said, I just love you so much. You're so wonderful. He was calling those things that be not as though they were. And isn't that what God does to us? He did that with Gideon, for sure. So he just kept doing that, and don't you know, she stopped doing that. That was so beautiful. What a beautiful testimony that was because it showed how much grace operates in our lives and, and that gift of grace that God gives us. And we have to, and it's not, it's not functional unless you use it. You've got to, the purpose of grace is to use it with other people. And you can apply this to not only your children, but everybody you know. Grace is everything that we rely on. Uh, having been in ministry, um, Really, before we had children, we, we were in ministry. And uh, the question is always offered, always posed, how do you guys do this? You know, how do you do this? And how do, your, do your, you know, how do you have your kids doing this with you? And the answer is flat out, grace, grace. And Joseph and I have always believed that the grace for the call that is upon us as husband and wife also is upon the children. Um, this is not his call and we're along for the ride. <laughs> this is God has given us as parents the grace. He's given us the children. He's entrusted the children to us. And with that comes the grace to fulfill the task. God will never, never, never give you a, a task or an assignment or a responsibility and not supply you the grace to do that thing, what he's calling you to do. So when I think about how do we demonstrate grace, I, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. We just, we expect it. We look for it. We live in it. We uh, know that our children have it. This is not his gig. And like I said, we're on the side, a sideshow. We all are recipients of his grace, and we all recognize that apart from him, we could do nothing. And uh, we just, this is a regular understanding in the house. And just as Joseph said, there are no perfect parents. Uh, this is a regular understanding in the house that what we are called to do the grace for that God also supplies. And if the children are part of that, and they are in your house, God gives the grace for you to parent. So I think acknowledging it 
and like you said, Judy, f flowing in it. You've got to, you, you don't take grace and then not do something with it. You, you've got to be uh, walking in it, operating it, you know, allowing it to flow and function. And uh, just this recently, the Lord's dealing with me because I've not, uh, being the firstborn, I've always been a performer. I've always been, I want everyone to love me, you know, and let me have everybody's approval. So consequently, uh, performance is very important. I know, Sarah, we've talked about this before, but um, just recently, the Lord has been dealing with me to stop asking the question, who? This is very practical. and You might apply it in your house, too. You know, <laughs> the peanut butter uh, knife is sticky and with jelly and peanut butter all over the counter and crumbs are left over. And right away, as mom, I want to say, who did this? <laughs> I asked who, and the Lord just stopped me recently in the last months to say, why do you keep asking who? Why do you keep getting and get, uh, you know, having to know who all the time? And uh, I was like, because they need to know that this is unacceptable. They shouldn't be doing this. And I, I'm re it's my job to raise responsible children. And if I don't point out to them that this is not, you know, acceptable and responsible, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> God said to me, stop asking who. And I think that that has been a development in me. Yes, they need to be responsible, and yes, they need to clean up after themselves. But for me to be searching through the house to identify who? The peanut butter police. That's right, peanut butter police is not a demonstration of grace. So when this question came to me in the email, I was like, I'll tell you how not to, to, de to demonstrate grace. But, so on one hand, it's all about grace. We wouldn't be doing this at all. We wouldn't be doing any of this without the grace of God. But I'm also encouraged in ways to change, to allow more grace and more grace and more grace and more grace to flow in our house. Can I just add something to that? I think just to piggyback on that, like <laughs> we are constantly needing to practice reminding ourselves who we are in Christ and not who we are in that moment whatever it is that we just that's did right. like that's not who we are in Christ right who we are in Christ um, is the way we need to see ourselves and then also our children right? right so we deal with the, whatever the issue is and my son reminded me recently like kids feel safe when parents you know have boundaries and correct them mm -hmm. and he was talking about how he's has some of friends or people that he knows and his parents, their parents aren't necessarily correcting them or whatever. And he said, that feels unsafe. It feels like there's a lack of love there or a lack of care. So it's not about training, but in your mind and in your heart toward your children, you see them in who Christ made them and who they are in Christ, not in those actions. So yes, you deal with how to live in this fallen world and how to do that well without, you know, a lot of problems, but truly we see, we have to see ourselves, we have to see our children and who Christ is they are. They're fully redeemed. They're white as snow. They've got the mind of Christ. They're healthy. They're whole, right? And so that's the way we have to see them and that's what we have to say about them. Amen. So. I love it. Good, good, good. Okay, we have one more question. It says, what gives you hope an encouragement when you feel discouraged as a mom. What do you do to snap out of that and 
pick yourself up? What gives you encouragement? Well, <clears throat> when I was discouraged while homeschooling, I would just call my mom. And also uh, other mothers who are home, were homeschooling, we would gather together quite often, and that was very helpful too, just to discuss things and uh, uh, you know encourage one another. So I think other people, other uh, you know people who are equally yoked with you is in your your thinking. I think that's important. You don't go to the world to ask anything about you know. <laughs> what you're doing right yeah right. don't google and yeah. so uh yeah you need that uh relationship with other uh, christian women i also want to just mention women who do not have children or could not have children how, whatever it was uh y you are still mothers mm -hmm. in christ yes. and um and i want to acknowledge you because you are beautiful and you, you are a mother, you have a mother's heart. Yes. And we can look at Dorcas, who we don't know if she, we don't believe she was married and, or had children, rather. And so she was a mother to her community. Mm. And she did a lot of things for other women. And they were sad when she, when she was dead. Of course, she was risen from the dead, mm -hmm. if I remember right. And so... Um, she had that, those characteristics, that nature, that motherly nature. So um, this, this message is also for you, all the grace things that are going on between uh, relationship between parents and children are also for you, between you and other people. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I guess it really meant me. Well, look at that, yeah. <laughs> um, I take a lot of comfort in the same verse Sarah mentioned, um, Isaiah 53:14. All my children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children. Joseph, many years ago, I too homeschooled the children, and uh, it can become very overwhelming at times, and you feel the burden of responsibility. Not that you're homeschooling by yourself, but you're the principal instructor, and you can feel, for every class, for every child, you can feel overwhelmed by that. And it was Joseph who encouraged me and said, God is their teacher. And just like Sarah said, that I ch purposely chose James 1.19 earlier because I knew that the scripture was going to come up a couple of times. But uh, the comfort and the peace to know that, okay, this is not um, upon me. I'm to cast all my cares on the Lord because he cares for me. Um, and he is the teacher of my children. And I can trust him to take them where they go. So it is. It's just a reminding yourself and a recalling of the word of God again concerning the children. Um, and that will help. And husbands... Fathers, you are an important role yeah. to us on Mother's Day. <laughs> I would not be uh, a mother, obviously, but I mean, what I'm saying, the, the, the quality of mother or uh, that, uh, that I um, am without the constant daily help 
and uh, encouragement that comes from dad <laughs> and husband. So I acknowledge you on this day too for the very significant part um, that you fathers play in the lives of the children, obviously. So the other thing I, that the Lord has just brought to my mind are families who have children all, all grown up or mm-hmm. almost grown mm-hmm. up or in college or whatever. And uh, they may have gone away from the Lord, but you know what? Y- you call those things that be right. not as though That's they right. are. That's right. That's they have been right. trained in the admonition of the Lord, and they will not be uh, depart from that training. Mm-hmm. And, and even if they weren't trained, and you are born again now, God will gather them from the north, the east, and Amen. bring them in. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to be in the Lord because no matter what your situation is, he is the mother to us, he's El Shaddai, he's the all-nurturer, and he will take care of your children mm-hmm. wherever they are. And I, I want to share with you that I have uh, had my boys in very dangerous situations. My Jay was in Iraq for a year, he was in Afghanistan for a year, he was on the USS Cole for a year. And there were very many dangerous situations that he was in. But the Lord kept him safe. A thousand will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come to your children. And so we have our Psalm 91. We have so many promises that will take care of your children. If you think they're in danger, they will, God will take care of your children. And so never fear that because this world is so evil, that God can't overcome the situation in your children. You are the head and, and not the tail. They are the head and not the tail. They are blessed coming in and going out. And that word blessed is all-encompassing. That word blessed means that God himself comes down to earth and kneels before you and your family and your children. And he gives you all the things. He puts to order everything in your life. So we thank God that we are born again, that we have the grace of God operating in us and in our families, and that we can rest assured. Now we're studying about rest. We can rest assured that everything is going to be okay. In Jesus' name, amen. For me, when I think about um, when I'm discouraged, <clears throat> I one thing that my I feel like I need to remind myself is of the righteousness that I have through Christ, because um, it's usually something rooted in that. Like, and I can go to the promises about what happens when you are the righteous of Christ, and we have righteousness because we have Christ's righteousness over us. When we accept Christ, we have His righteousness, right? And when we have His righteousness, we're blessed. Right? Um, blessings are on the head of the righteous, Proverbs says. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. All right? We worry about our children. We don't need to worry. They are covered, right, as with a shield. Um, one time when Olivia was really little, we were traveling, and she fell asleep before we got to the hotel. I think she was about four, and we carried her in. Um, to the hotel and put her in bed and we were all in one room but in the middle of the night she got up she had to go to the bathroom and she thought she was at home it's okay if I tell the story I'm already started Um, and she 
left the hotel room. She was, didn't know where she was. And she left the hotel room thinking she was going to the bathroom. And apparently she was out there crying for an hour or more, a couple hours in the middle of the night alone, not knowing where she was, feeling abandoned. And um, the somebody came out of their room and got her and took her down to the front desk. And they said, oh, we know who whose room she belongs to and, and brought her to us. And I felt horrible. Here I've got this child that's been traumatized. And, um, you know, you learn about how trauma affects children and maybe they won't talk about it and they'll stuff it and they'll turn into some issue. And your brain can start going, right? And um, I spoke to our pediatrician who was a, um, a believer and he said, you just put your hand on her while she's sleeping. You speak peace over her. Nothing is going to harm her. No harm shall come to her. No, no weapon formed against her shall stand. You know, a thousand will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right, but none shall come near you. Right? And you start speaking those things over them and declaring them. Because in the world, we think A plus B equals C. But we know in God's kingdom that's not the case. A can happen and B can happen, but C doesn't have to happen, right? And so we need to speak these things. And the more that we operate in God's kingdom, in God's truth, and what he says and what he's done for us and who we are in him, better life is. <laughs> so. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, that's it. Good. We always talk about that at Howie Church. You've said it so many times. You all touched on it. Who God is, what he's done for us, and who we are in Christ. Like everything stems everything. from that. That's right. That's so awesome. Thank you guys for sharing. Thank you, ladies. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.